0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny Connell,
1: back to throw, first and ten, the pass to
0: pieces, tight end. And Raja Bell.
1: Bell has got three, 22 for Raja.
2: It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man, he can't guard me.
3: What is going on? It is Monday. This is episode 4 of Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. It is a fantastic day to be talking about sports and everything else. It was a crazy weekend, ton to get to, uh, but how are you doing, my man?
2: I'm good. Voice is rebounding, and it doesn't sound like it, but it feels so much I think better. It, I think it's
3: actually good for the business, though. Like you got that raspy voice going, yeah. kind of like you're a smoker. I like like that. It, it goes pretty good. Yeah. Uh, have you heard the dilly dilly stuff that's going on? Like Roethlisberger used dilly dilly as an audible. It's in a commercial, yeah. and it's kind of like grown into this thing, yeah, right? Like like are you it. now? Are you are your boys doing it?
2: No, they're not doing it yet. They're, they're not. Because my cause daughter, they... my ten year old's on. She's it. on to it already. Yeah. Well,
3: I, we were watching games yesterday, and yep. it comes on the commercial, and I started laughing out loud. And so now, like, when we're going to bed, it's like, dilly dilly. <laughs> like, we're yelling across the house,
2: dilly dilly, good night. Like, that's,
3: that's the new thing. She's quicker than anything. She's
2: quicker than my boys, cause they just caught it yesterday, like, in passing. Yeah. And they're like, what's, what's the dilly dilly? And I was like, I right, keep it moving.
3: It'll be interesting to see how long it lasts. If it makes it longer than, yeah, there it is. There's the dilly dilly. If it makes it longer than the, what's that,
2: wazzah. Right. Like, right, that, right. That,
3: cause it gets annoying really fast, and then everybody starts doing it, and it gets overkill. Like, it'll be interesting to see the shelf life of this one. Uh, we got a huge show for you, a ton of stuff to get to. A lot of football, big day in the NFL yesterday, huge day of college football. There's also a NBA player who's under 30 who might be close to retirement. Got to ask you on that. Dilly dilly. But <laughs> but there was something that happened yesterday in college football that I was disgusted by, right? And I don't, I don't, I don't even know the words because I was just fired up. I was mad at the way things played out. And that's what happened to Tennessee with their hiring, quote, hiring was supposed to be a hiring of Greg Schiano, the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. They had basically come to an agreement on a deal. The uh, athletic director, John Curry, was flying up there to close it. They were going to bring him, introduce him to everybody. And by the time it came out at around 10, 11 a.m. in the morning, in the next five, six hours, it blew up into what I've n- never... I mean, I guess we should get used to it. It's kind of happening all over social media these days. But basically, the fan base and politicians and alumni and everybody else didn't like the hire so they basically said you know what this guy has this history yeah. of being at Penn State who knows if it was true there was his name was brought up in a deposition the facts are very unclear and they just basically said all right this is enough for us to see we're going to go ahead and and try to do everything we can to prevent this hire from happening
2: yeah i don't i don't love that um first of all i don't i don't think greg schiano was the guy for tennessee i, I don't i don't I mean, 100% I, agree with you. Having said that, um you hire someone someone sits in that position to make that call and they deem that he was the guy. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he had even signed some it wasn't a contract but some I, I don't know what the yeah, there was jargon a formal is agreement. for. Right. Yeah. And 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 so uh I just think you got to be very careful of 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 letting social media dictate policy and and decision making universities, corporations, like it, uh NBA, NFL uh, uh, any kind of team, any, someone is in position and paid a considerable salary to do that job. Uh, you tie your, your, you hit your wagon to Greg Shiano. If it doesn't work out, that's your job. But you can't double back because you get pressure from outside and, and, and recant. The offer, like that's not a good look. I don't care if, if in, in retrospect, you thought Shiano, uh, might not be a great job. You've agreed on the deal. He's yeah. the guy you picked. <laughs> yes. You went through a process, Yes. right? Whether, whether you can make the argument, I'll make the argument that he had a knee-jerk reaction to not getting, to, to not getting Kiffin, Dan Mullins and all of those people, but I, you made the call already. Right. It's. So within a couple hours, they ha- they have a rock on Tennessee's campus,
3: and it's a huge rock. It's kind of like – it's it's it's, ginormous. it's like a billboard right. basically on campus. And they'll write – they'll draw on there. If they had a big win, they'll color it. One color painted orange, and they'll put the score of the game or they'll put something up there that you know they like. Within a couple hours, it said on this rock, it said Shiano covered up child rape at Penn State, <laughs> which – and that was on Twitter as soon as it came. Yeah. Then Sarah Huckabee, the White House press secretary, comes out. She puts on her Facebook page. What's her? I can't, what, what's her? Connection I guess she to went to Tennessee. I'm assuming. I I, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, all kind of politicians were out there. Uh, Tennessee State Rep Jeremy, uh, Faison said the head coach of the Football University of Tennessee is the highest paid state employee. They're the face of our state. We don't need a man who has the, that type of potential reproach in their life as the highest paid state employee. It's egregious to the people and it's wrong to the taxpayers. Like this became an opportunity for politicians to hop in the fray yeah. and it was a joke. It was all because they were upset they didn't get John Gruden. Right. Like, and this is where what's driven me nuts about the, the entire scope of college football, because we're going to get to some of the other coaches that were fired this past weekend. Fan bases have these unrealistic expectations. They view themselves as something they're not, and that's exactly what Tennessee did. They were crazy to even ever think John Gruden was going to come out of making close sure. to ten million bucks a year from Monday Night Football for doing nothing to come back to Knoxville and, and coach college football. It's never going to happen. But the fact that they believed it could happen and got embarrassed—it's—it's—it's it's, it's embarrassing the way that they unfolded their reaction to it. Uh, and I don't even, like, here's full disclosure, I don't even like Greg Sciano. Like, right. I've covered him. He wasn't the best to work with. He's one of these control freaks. His tenure, he, he, yes, he turned around Rutgers, but he stayed too long, didn't bounce there. Uh, you know, got them, uh, uh, turned the program around for a bit and then kind of fell back to 500. Then he gets an opportunity in Tampa Bay, which was a, that was a shock. Nobody saw that coming when he was hired as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a disaster. There yeah. were some things that went on there where the players that I talked to that were on that team did not like Greg Schiano. But all of that being said, it's still no excuse for absolutely dragging a dude's name through the mud. And basically ruining his he, reputation just because so, you don't want him to be your look, coach. Look, I don't
2: know. I, I Clearly, I was in a Penn State. I don't know what happened there. And his name is in the deposition. Having yes. said that, he's been vetted multiple times since then. Right. And he's been able to get jobs. He's working for Urban Meyer at Ohio State University right now. Like, he's had to clear background checks, you would have to imagine, to get those jobs since the deposition. If we're going to let fan bases, states, social media dictate – Hirings and firings. Is this going to take place throughout the university? Like is this just an open forum? If I don't like the professor that was just hired to teach economics, right, can we start a campaign to, to not have I mean what I think
3: we can I think it has happened. I think we've seen cases like this and it's it's this social experiment which is going on in our country. It's a slippery it's what, slope, bro. I don't like it. I don't, like it. It. I don't love it. We're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty it's and an- way too many times you're guilty until proven innocent. I heard a
2: dude I, I heard a dude on radio this morning coming in uh reference that and he said this isn't this isn't a court of law. Right. But like, yeah, granted, this isn't a court of law, but you're playing with people's lives. This is like old
3: school going back to the public square where people would go in a mob and they'd say, hang him, hang him. And we're going ahead and saying, all right, let's hang him. I'll give you a a small example. And this, I think, was one of the first people that we saw that was publicly excoriated was Ray Rice. And what Ray Rice did was horrific, right? It was on video. He hit his wife. It was awful. Mm -hmm. If Roger Goodell would have come out and given him a proper punishment, he would have been able to play again. But because of the back, and it's, it's really thrown the NFL's reputation, which I'm okay with. Like it was, I was alright because they didn't have a plan in place for domestic violence. Right. But he was the first kind of example and he never played again. And it was because of the public outcry and the public response. And some people are okay with that. And I, I'm not one to say, like, I just don't believe that you should never be able to recover for something. Like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about second chances and giving some of the opportunity. And Ray Rice, but like, what? But what is the right penalty? Some people say he should never be able to play again. I think if he would have gotten a year, that would have been uh, that would have been fairly appropriate. I agree. But then, in saying that, it makes it sound like, oh, well, it's okay to hit your. No, no one is saying it's okay to hit your spouse or hit a woman or hit you know to have any uh, instance like that that goes on. But it's not the way that justice should be doled out.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have the right answer for what his penalty, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I think that- What's
3: crazy though, if Roger Goodell handled that right, the public outrage would never have been as much. Exactly.
2: That's what we have to, in my opinion, that's what we have to be careful of. Is right. letting the public outrage, the public outcry via social media dictate punishment, dictate hirings and firings. Um, you, you can't, like, you can't try everyone in the court of public opinion. I disagree with it wholeheartedly. All right, let's
3: move. Let's get some football, man. It's too serious. Let's, getting too <laughs> heated here on a Monday. Let's have some fun. And uh, we got a new segment that our boy Debo, our producer, Eric, came up with. Let's get to it. It's called What We Learn."
0: We've got a lot to cover, and time is short.
3: All right, let's go to the NFL first. We have the Chiefs, all right? So speaking of public outcry, oh, yeah. there has been a massive public outcry for Alex Smith to be benched. Yep. After starting 5-0, and Alex Smith was receiving MVP talk, yeah. MVP talk. People yeah. were saying this kid, they turned it around. All I they have said this, I, 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 I have definitely said it. Said it. No. I was saying, I told you so. Cause <laughs> I've been Alex Smith's biggest proponent. It's getting ugly. I don't think they should bench him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All okay. Right? okay. All right. So, so he's his first five games. He was 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions and his last six, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. But to me, the biggest difference is their inability to run the football. Kareem Hunt has not been the same. In that first span we were talking about, the first five games, he was at 122, 122 yards a game. Since then, he's only had 49 yards per game. They have to run the ball to open up the bigger chunk yards down the field. This is more on Andy Reid on and his
2: system than it is on Alex Smith. So I, I, agree 100%. And what I, what we, what I learned was, all the things that make Andy Reid and that offense fun for me to watch, like early in the season, I was saying to my, like, my, my son's youth league football coach, like, look at all this cool stuff that he does with these lineups. He's not bought into the traditional, like, like sets. He's, he's got creativity. There's a fine line between that and being too cute. And right now I think he's being too cute. Like sometimes in football, basketball, sports, you gotta just put your hard hat on. You gotta get back to basics and fundamentals. And in, as it pertains to football, you gotta get that O line blowing people off the ball. You gotta get a push. Right. And mm-hmm. you can try to scheme it up and get cute with it and run more wildcat and do this and that. But at the end of the day, my big uglies got to beat your big uglies and you got to get back to that. You can't hide it and mask it with all of these formations and trickery. And they're not doing that. And so for me, that's what I learned. Fine line between. Too much gadgetry and, and, and being, uh, a little bit innovative.
3: Andy Reid was asked about it. He was asked about a potential quarterback change. He waxed poetic for all of one word. (laughs) (laughs) He said, no, there is no, and I, see, I think if you do make the, cause every, the, the the hottest thing to do, the sexiest thing to do is go to Patrick Mahomes. They drafted him 12th overall. Everybody when they drafted him said, oh, I can't wait to see this kid the team that just beat them in their own house the buffalo bills look what happened when they made a change and i'm not it's not saying that maybe patrick mahomes isn't the future of this team to throw a rookie out there in the middle of a season when you were very much in the playoff hunt should still probably win your division because it's a disaster in the afc west you do not want to make a panic move at this time and i think it would be a mistake if they went to patrick
2: mahomes he is not the answer right now um, no. alex smith has given you a a uh he gave you a decent sample size early in the season. Uh, you've seen him over his career. He is what he is. I mean, I agree with you to some degree that game management is what a quarterback is supposed to do at the end of the day. Yep. There are very few. It's a rare error of quarterback that you can say, here, take the ball and just win us games. There's, there's. I mean, you're talking about a a, a decimal point, a fraction of the quarterbacks in the world that can do that he does not fall in that category in my opinion. Nope. Ha- having said that, I think he's still the answer for that team this year. Right. Patrick Mahomes maybe next year. Like if you go into training camp and 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 the kid shows that he's grown and he's ready to play sure, but you don't want to fracture that locker room right now in the middle of an AFC uh in the AFC playoff push. You you don't want to do that.
3: No. By the way, do you know who my favorite team is now in the entire NFL?
2: Uh, I'll be rooting for them. Is the Bills? Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Yes, because I
3: want Tyrod Taylor to win out, so people can go back and say, "What was that? What was Sean McDermott thinking?" Right. And it's it's crazy because I tweeted that out yesterday while I was watching the game unfold, and they were winning, and they were about to win, and I actually had Buffalo Bills fans say. You don't know what's really going on. You don't know the scene here in Buffalo. You don't know how average he's been. And I was like, yeah, but you know what I saw? How bad it was without
2: him. Right, correct. <laughs> is it bad? But I'm watching McDermott on the sideline, and it looked like he was beefing. It looked <laughs> like he didn't love. That. Like, is that wrong? Maybe I'm making yeah, it up. No, I'm sure i's, I'm making it up. I'm but.
3: sure there's a little piece of him that's kind of like, man. this. And there was a great photo of Nathan Peterman watching from the sideline. And it was in that – Cause it, have you ever been in a spot where you were on a team and you may have gotten, you might have gotten benched. Yeah. And you're in that weird spot where you kind of don't want the guy to do well, you know, cause he's like, <laughs> man, that was my spot. Have you been in that oh, spot? Absolutely. 100%. You know?
2: And it's a fine, it is a fine line for a pro to be, to be about his team, but, but it's always his about lively, the money. It's yeah. so your livelihood, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. And so I have, um, you know, it, this happened to me later. Were you able like, to like, hide it or did you ever come out and just, cause you no, have to hide it or else you look like a, it, it it actually worked out perfect for me because it was late in my career they came to me and we were losing in Where Utah was this? we were in Utah. Utah i had signed to go back and play with Darren Williams Al Jefferson Paul Millsap Jerry Sloan was the coach um Jerry quit they traded Darren and we just kind of tanked like uh uh i don't even know his name what's his name that, that's how insignificant he was for me but um <laughs> what's his name a uh, Tyrone Corbin was the coach at the time and so <laughs> that was your head we coach were... <laughs> you just <laughs> forgot his name we were losing i love it no we were losing and 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 you know, I, I went and had a few meetings with Tyrone about what I thought was going on and we were playing selfish and guys were playing for contracts and you can't win like that. And so his his uh his answer to that was to play me with the second team. And so I was like, that's cool. So Gordon Gordon Hayward, who clearly was a better basketball player than I am or was, um, started. But then they came, and so I, I at the at that point I was old enough to be like, yeah, this sucks. But like the kid, it was inevitable and let's see what happens. But what really got me, and this is what gets some pros in situations like this, it's not unlike Tyrod Taylor is when things went wrong for Gordon, they came back and he said to me the next game, hey, uh, we're going to start you again because it's not fair to Gordon. This is what he said to me. It's not fair to Gordon for him to have to start against Kobe Bryant in the second game, so I'm going to start you tonight. Come on. Like, I was livid. And I that would... really tested my my ability to be a good pro, <laughs> honest to God.
3: has to hold it back. Yeah, for sure. I've been there, and you you just have to – for the public perception, you have to put on that game. You ha- it's almost like you have to be an actor. You sure. have to cheer. You have to clap. You have to be that guy that's supportive of your teammate. Yeah. But deep down inside, you're like, man, I hope <laughs> he throws another interception because I don't want to look like it was all my fault. Um, all right. You know what else we learned in the NFL? The NFC is really good because it yeah. continues to show that the Eagles just continue to go out there and just ball out. Uh, the Rams actually ended the Saints' eight-game winning streak. Both teams now sit 8-8-3. Eight, eight, Jared Goff goes off. Uh, for that one for me, I don't, I don't know if we learned much about that game other than those two teams are still really good.
2: Yeah, I, I, so what stuck out, they looked pretty balanced. It looked relatively even. Like in any team, that's a toss up game for me if they play again. Um, there was one particular play. I think it was, it was, they were down 10, I believe the, Mm -hmm. the Saints were. Um, and it was fourth and one, if you will, and they elected to punt. They were like, I don't know, nine minutes left in the game. Um, I questioned that call though because they punted, uh, the Rams came down and scored again. It basically put the game out of reach for all intents and purposes. Like, I don't have a whole lot of, of great football stuff on that, but that particular call and, and in games across the span of sports, they come down, you're evenly matched. Mm-hmm. It does become who makes the least amount of mistakes. Like who makes the right calls, who has the best clock management, um, who can, who can reserve those timeouts for the most necessary times. And I felt like, I felt like coaching played a part in that down the stretch yesterday with the Saints.
3: You know who else is getting right? What I learned is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. They they had another impressive winch. They beat the Seahawks on the road, which everybody was like, oh, what's going on? It was either the Seahawks are really messed up or the Falcons are getting good. I think this is more of a process of Steve Sarkeesian figuring out as his new offensive coordinator who had to step in and fill in for Kyle Shanahan, who had his own learning curve. I think people forget that it wasn't all peachy between Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan early. They kind of had a rough – not a rough, but they had a learning curve where they had to feel each other out. There's a, there's a relationship between a coach and a play caller and you have to learn your strengths, your weaknesses, what you like to do in certain situations. And I think you're seeing the Falcons start to figure that out. Although I was terrified for them as they were up against the Bucks yesterday I was, and the Bucks started to mount a little bit of a comeback. I'm thinking, oh gosh, please don't blow another lead. Like, cause, it, but it does become mental, but I feel like the Falcons are in a really good spot in a division because this division is probably the most competitive division out there with the Saints sitting at the top at eight and three. You've got the Panthers who are eight and three and the Falcons at 7 and 4. I just don't know if they'll be able to overcome that division.
2: Yeah, that was my question. Because I look, playing playing deep into the playoffs um is always tough. Physically, mentally, emotionally. And then having to bounce right back be, like on a short summer, right? Because yeah. all those other teams have been sitting around just chilling, yep. getting their body and their mind right there and Cabo and doing whatever you do mm-hmm. and you've been playing, like let's use basketball, you've been playing until June, yeah. right? You've been playing until June and now you got to turn right back around in October and get it cracking again. That can be difficult, especially if you change coaches, right? And then you've got to reintegrate people and devel- develop relationships and chemistry again. So you can't really quantify how much of a much of a hangover there was going to be there my question is are they viable like can they can they come out of the the nfc and i i mean you, you yeah just kind of that's answered it,
3: yeah right? that's the, that's the biggest question well, i think the panthers are a better option i would rather take if i was a gambler why are they I so am. ugly
2: to watch why are the panthers like I, and i love cam why is it so hard he to struggles.
3: watch he's just not a. he's not going to be a quarterback who drops back 40 times and passes it now he can get it done because he's such a big physical specimen right defensively they're really good top three in most categories in the nfl and he is such a threat because he can run the football so well that he can make plays. If he's struggling throwing the football, which he was yesterday at one point. I think he was 8 of 25 or something like that crazy. Yeah. You can still find ways to get the ball down the field because he can run it. And they, yeah. they're, they're a team, I think, that's in the, the experience. The fact that they were just there. That's what makes this. So you got three teams. The Saints have Drew Breeds won a Super Bowl. you got the Panthers, were just there not too long ago. Cam Newton's MVP season, they lose. And you got the Falcons, who were just in the Super Bowl. Three Super Bowl kind of experienced teams right. in that division. Good luck trying to come out there. That's up. one where they should almost extend one of their spots to the AFC. Like, kick out one of these AFC crap teams <laughs> and give it to one of these ones if you're in there. Uh, you know what else we learned? We learned that Akib Talib and Michael Cra- Crabtree have not don't made like up. They not each other. No, they no, like they one have one not yesterday. made up. Because last year we all saw Talib goes up to Crabtree and just yanked his chain off, said "Give me that chain," mm. and it kind of they didn't really get into it that much of a beef last year. But man, did they get into it yesterday because it happened again. Talib goes for the chain again, and then all hell breaks loose. As the bench is cleared, and they started going at it. What? I got some relatable
2: audio. I think. Oh, all right. What you got? Why you tripping, Devo? Shut the fuck up! Knock your ass out! <laughs> man, that's
3: messed up. What you giving back? His change?
2: <laughs> what change?
3: Yeah, what change? Now I kinda feel smoky I kinda feel like Crabtree feels like he's going to Debo your namesake there, Debo.
2: Uh because I don't think Crabtree really wants any part of Akeem of Talib. I don't know. I mean <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. Here dude, keep your hands off. Like why you gotta be snatching his chain? Like that's a different level of <laughs> it disrespect, is. right? It is. Oh yeah. It's a whole nother level of disrespect. And and uh I don't know. Michael Crabtree, what do you expect? What's he gonna do in that situation? Like what do you what he did as a man, what he had to do? As a do. man. He did what, he, he, had did what he had to do. You can't
3: go down without a fight. You can't walk away from that. You have to step up and do something. Even and if you
2: don't want problems right. with said individual, once right. he snatches your chain twice, yeah. I mean now you got to fight. Right. Like exactly. I can't go home. My mom's gonna thought, whoop my ass if I go home and I didn't fight him, you know?
3: <laughs> exactly. And he
2: actually because I thought he he started
3: it and then it got ugly and then he kind of ran away. Right. Which I was like, all right, but he at least he started it, and the team came over. The irony of the whole situation was was that Marshawn Lynch was the one playing uh the role of peacemaker, peacemaker as he walked off Tlaib through their bench, like helped him to I guess that's is that Marshawn Lynch? That's like his new role now his in the peacemaker. NFL. Yeah, because he came on the field when they were playing the Chiefs and his
2: cousin uh was out there and he you know came out to his rescue. I think Mar- Marshawn Lynch is just anti whatever everybody else is doing. <laughs> yeah. If everybody's fighting, I'm peacemaking. Yeah. If people are peacemaking, I'm fighting. Um here's I I why the hell do NFL I think it should be a rule in the NFL. If yeah. you want to fight Bet. Cool. Let's fight. Right. Take your damn helmets off and let's fight. What is with the punching at helmets? Well, that's the dumbest
3: thing ever is to – well, here's the thing. The dumbest thing ever is to take your helmet off during a fight like because you have a protector. But once it's off, like both guys, it should be like there should be no – Cause there's kind of rules in hockey. They let them fight. They let them go at it. But if they go to the ice, then they have to break it up. Right. There's something maybe they, I, I think the smarter thing would be to do, you can fight until your helmet
2: comes off. To your helmet. But
3: I kind of like your way too. Just take the helmets off. It's yeah, like take the gloves
2: off. Just go. Like I'm not punching you with a helmet on. I'm going to break my hand <laughs> right. break my knuckle on your face mask. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just let them go. All right. Let's get some college football in what we learned.
0: We've got a lot to cover and time is short.
3: Oh, my man, Raja. No, don't start that. The Hurricanes. Now, we, I know it seems no, like no, it was a dude, long, long time ago. A lot has transpired since then. But that is exactly <sighs> what I was scared of. You and I, right. I'm just shocked. that they I thought they would you be able to right. come back, but it just slowly slipped away from them.
2: You were there. On site, how did it happen? you gonna keep rubbing it in, huh? No, you're getting, you're no like, I want really to scoop.
3: The, That's what we do on off the bench. We give uh, you insider no, intel. All right,
2: so here's what, we went up there, uh, beautiful day in, in Pittsburgh, like 50 degrees. So you can't blame the weather. No, can't blame the weather. No, no weather issues. But when we got in into our seats, um, it was dead. Like it was, it was a big generic, like Heinz field state. I'm sure it's great when the, when the Steelers are playing half empty, but it was half empty. It was dead. And so it was senior day and what they did. And I said it to my boys at the time is every time there was a timeout, they did senior day activities. So these timeouts became like six and seven minutes long. And Miami wasn't ready to play. Like they, they looked like they came out flat. Pitt had a little bit more energy. You could tell it was a bowl game scenario for them. But any time something got mounting just a little bit, it was a timeout, and it was seven minutes because they'd bring the whole cheerleading squad on the field. Like who the hell cares about the cheerleaders who are seniors? Quite, I don't. They, they <laughs> during one of the timeouts, they, they, they the Not band. What if your daughter becomes bro, a cheerleader? The God bless her. All right, like, it, but they brought the band out at one point and recognized all the seniors. So they chopped that game up. For T V purposes and and for senior day purposes, to a degree that I said to my boys, like this is not a good recipe for Miami. They'll never get any momentum. And then like Malik Rozier, he was just he was he was bad. Like yeah. he just missed a lot of throws. Pitt had eight dudes in the box most of the time. Mm-hmm. Right? They were coming up. There was no safety help over the top because a lot of times they were blitzing the safety. And I kept saying, they're they're shots downfield. Like, we got to hit on something, and he just couldn't hit anything.
3: So Miami, I had it number one because I felt like they earned it. Like, you win. I don't care how it looks. I don't care that they played down to some of the competition, but they had earned it. But in the back of my mind, I always felt like Miami was still an immature – about a year away from being a legitimate national title right. contender. It was funny you said that about Malik Rogier because I talked to Mark Rick a couple of weeks on a radio show on SiriusXM and I asked him about Malik Rozier. I was like, Hey, I was like, he's up and down. And he kind of laughed and he, he was, he kind of like, he, you could tell it was a quarterback who gives him headaches right. and he kind of loves him, but then he's like, man, I wish he wouldn't make some of those <laughs> bun-headed throws. And I think right. you saw that when he took him out of the game late, yeah. which was to try to send a message to him to like, wake up, get out of this funk. But here's where I think Miami struggled. It's one thing to be playing the role of we want to prove to people that we're back. We wanna we have this chip on our shoulder. Nobody's giving us that respect. It's a whole other thing when you become the hunted. That's right. Everybody's looking at you saying, You don't deserve it. We're gonna knock you off. It's our senior day. Yeah. We wanna make this our statement for the season. And that's and if you I, if you play with fire enough times, you're gonna sooner you're going to get burned. And that's what happened. You said they it. Got burned. You, yeah. did, you, you said it. And, 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 and I wish it wouldn't have because I wanted the ACC to be a the championship game to be a showcase of two versus three right. or even one versus two, which is what it probably would have been because Alabama lost. That would have been an incredible showcase. So I was bummed. and I. But here's the thing. Ultimately, I still think Miami has a chance. You to think get they ended. could beat? I, no, I don't. I don't no, no, I don't think they beat Clemson. You don't. No, damn but I think if they do, yeah. I think they have a chance to get in. Well, yeah, I think if the they ACC do. champion gets yeah, in. Yeah, the ACC. I don't champions. think they're going to beat
2: Clemson. Do you? Um, After watching that I have, garbage, I have concerns. I, I, I mean, look, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan, but I have concerns just because he's looked that way at times throughout the season. And I don't mean to hang it all on Malik, but like if you can't get the ball to the playmakers, you can have all speed in the world, if you can't get it to him, it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. And. If he if he's not sharp, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Well, he's got to be on point to beat them. And you know what else?
3: Clemson looked really good.
2: They played they South did.
3: Carolina. I yeah. thought I actually thought that was a game I was scared for Clemson. I'm like, don't screw this up. And they went out and handled their
2: business. Like they went out and absolutely smoked the, them. They're starting to get good at the right. I gotta time. be honest, bro. Like. I'm so upset about that Miami game. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, you got one damn game against a four and seventeen. You sound like to Uncle Luke. Bed. You sound like Uncle Luke. Like, that, it did was you just, see Luther Campbell at Two Live Crew? But good yeah, for him. He,
3: he said the basically the same thing you did. He's like, how? And that's the same thing I thought. How can you screw up a season when you can have a chance to play for a national championship against Pitt, who's
2: awful this year? Bro, greedy. Get it's, greedy. Go in there like, what the hell are we doing? See,
3: that's the edge that I don't know if they they don't have it. And that's a young, immature team. Does they that have, have that anything edge. to
2: do? Like you said it about Mark Rick, and yeah. I heard him on the radio again this morning, and it was the same old dude. And I loved it when when, when we yeah. were in those situations where you needed a calming well, influence that's what and Georgia, all
3: that Well, That's why Georgia fans ran him off because they felt like they would have those types of letdown games. I thought they had enough going with their turnover chain, the excitement, right. but it's at home traveling, playing on the road. There, you was don't no, have that. there was no life
2: on the sideline. And that's what I was worried about. Uh,
3: I like it you had to go back to the Miami Hurricanes one more time. <laughs> you know what else we learned uh, about in college football was that Alabama can be beaten, yeah. and Auburn did just that. They beat them down. It was physical. They looked better in every asset of the game. I thought Auburn was going to win the SEC coming into the season. I felt great about him after Georgia. Alabama's been banged up. I think Auburn goes on to win the SEC, too. I think it's tough to beat a team twice, yeah. but I think they're just that much better. I was worried about on Johnson's health, but from everything I've seen online, he's, he's okay. Getting, I don't know. I wouldn't say okay, but they say he's trending upwards Good. like he's going to play. Maybe it's an injury where you can shoot him up, where it's just something where it doesn't hurt it right. worse. It's just a pain tolerance thing because they are – And I I actually think Auburn goes on and wins the national championship.
2: I think they're the best team in the country right now. There are few and far between times where you watch Alabama line up against somebody and get manhandled. Yeah, just get out, big boyed out like weight roomed. They got out weight roomed, and to do carry on Johnson like he he basically walks to the line of scrimmage. He looks like Le'Veon Bell a little bit. Like they're just slow to the hole. Absolutely, that's the new style of running back. Like running backs
3: are doing that now, which. I've seen, I've seen when I was when I was playing. I've seen running backs get thrown out of drills because because, because they not didn't attacking. hit the line right. of scrimmage. Right. And now, but I actually like it. Like you look and you kind of. And now we call it patience, right? Before it was you're timid, you're right. scared. Right. Now it's patience, but it's working. Like you're letting the blocks develop, and then as soon as you see that you're hole, the, you're
2: bam, you're right through it. They beat them. Do you think? I mean, uh Nick Saban's obviously doing his best to lobby for for Bama getting in. Like, if yeah. if. if Let's say Auburn wins, right? Auburn beat yep. Bama. Um,
3: here's the scenario. So here's what I think is going to happen, because I know where you're going with this one. This one's driving me nuts, because I think Alabama should be done. I think you lose. I think their schedule's been weak. Right. Uh, they haven't played anybody of consequence. They beat. They barely beat Mississippi State. Their biggest non-conference win is Florida State, who's been garbage this season. I do not think they should be in. But – I think the committee might have to make a really tough choice because I think what you could – let's just say the Pac-12 is eliminated, yep. right? They've got USC, who I think is really good, but I don't think they're going to get a look. So USC – the Pac-12 is done. I think the SEC champ is in. That's Auburn mm-hmm. or Georgia. I think you have the ACC champ Miami. is in. That's two spots. Mm-hmm. I think you have the Big 12 champ who's <laughs> – I didn't catch that. <laughs> I think you have the Big 12 champ who most likely is going to be Oklahoma yeah. in then what happens? I I think Wisconsin's going to win, and I think it might solve it, the problem for the committee. But if you have Ohio State win with two losses as the Big Ten champ, and they have an ugly loss to Iowa, 55-24, to 24, they got smoked on the right. road, and then they lost to Oklahoma, and then you've got Bama who's sitting there, with one loss to one of the best teams in the country, that's in brand
2: recognition and brand recognition. Exactly. Like, what do you do?
3: Who are they going to go with? Like that's and that's going to be a fascinating discussion. I don't want either of them. Like I wish they would start their own bowl game, yeah. have it somewhere, and call the <laughs> brands you wish you could have play on TV bowl, and right. let them go play. Yeah. That's the that's because that'll drive me nuts. That's I I actually think Wisconsin is better than Ohio State, and yeah. that's a, not a popular opinion. People are going to say there are way too many athletes. Wisconsin is just good on defense. They, they are the number one defense in the country. Quarterback has limitations, but they had Jonathan Taylor running the football. They can establish the line of scrimmage. And I kinda hope it happens because I don't want to have to
2: worry about Ohio State Alabama because it's gonna be a tough, tough call. Like I honestly don't know what I would do. Yeah. If I was in that committee room. Uh, and because you go down the checklist of, of easy default reasons to put them in, you got yep. brand recognition, right? You got two head coaches that are both, you know, regarded as yes. two of the best. Like there's no easy way out of that. That's yeah. just a, a...
3: And it would, uh, so, so Ohio State would have the win total. They'd have more impressive wins, mm-hmm. but they'd have the two losses. Two losses. And then uh, Alabama would not have any significant wins. And they'd have the best loss. It's crazy because I hate, I hate all this. I think we should go to eight teams, eight team playoff. Five conference champs, three wild cards. And you have to worry about this crap. I'm with you. All right. Uh, the, the, so, it, so it seems like we're talking football, but that's not what people were talking about yesterday. It was the coach's carousel, Oof. which was insane. I think it's there's never been a time when it's been harder or more lucrative, as people would say, about being a coach in college football. I covered Nebraska-Iowa. Nebraska got pounded. No surprise, Mike Riley, their head coach, gets let go. One of the classiest, nicest dudes in the business. You all saw Kevin Sumlin out at Texas A&M. You saw uh, Dan Mullen leave Mississippi State, goes back to Florida. Good hire. Good job. Brett Bielema fired on the field. As he's walking off the field, they fired Brett Bielema at Arkansas. That's classless. Classless. Uh, uh, Unbelievable uh, mistake. Ole Miss, and names their interim coach, Matt Luke, they named him the head coach. I think that was a smart move. It's probably one of the only moves Ole Miss could make. But the thing that I'm getting hit up a lot about is Jimbo Fisher to Texas A&M. I I've, I've been there was a bunch of people trolling me saying oh look it's been reported and it was a fake account. I think they're after him but I think Jimbo Fisher would be crazy to leave Tallahassee to go to a lesser job that's probably going to run him off if he doesn't get more than eight wins which is what happened to Kevin Sumlin. Yeah,
2: and I at, at this point I got to wonder what's going to make the Texas A&M fans happy, right? Like and, <laughs> yes. and like Tomlin's had his issues. I'm not lobbying Sumlin. for him to keep his job. I mean Sumlin yeah. sorry, but um like, he's won a lot of games, like 60 some percent wins yeah. there at Texas AM. You're in the SEC. What do you, you anyway, I've got to worry about that if They put Mo- him
3: on the hot seat before because he started. He, he, Kevin Sumlin did the thing that you almost can't do. He set the bar too high Yeah. Because he comes in and he had Johnny Manziel. They go 11 and two. Beep they beat Bama. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody's all hyped up. And then they have a bunch of eight win seasons in a row and they get spoiled. And they're like, well, what's going on? Why can't we get 11 wins? You better be careful because I just came from a program when I was just in Nebraska who just ran off Mike Riley. They had Bo Pelini, who every year – the worst record he had was nine wins. Right. And they got tired of that. Said, oh, we should play for national championships. They run him off, and then you get Mike Riley who's you know six wins, seven wins, four wins. It's been awful at Nebraska. You better make sure what you're going to get because sometimes
2: that grass isn't always yeah, the greener. Grass, I was just going to say the grass isn't always greener. But let me ask you a question because I heard a report um, – and this was interesting to me, and you might not want to air the business. But somebody told me Jimbo would consider it because I guess he and his wife just just had a divorce. She lives in Tallahassee, and yeah. he may want to, There's some to family
3: be... stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure what it is, and it was a nasty divorce. Right, uh, There was some really nasty stuff that went on there. I don't know what impact that has on it. I think Jimbo, the play that Jimbo might be making, because he's already – his agent has played Florida State perfectly like they've gotten more money they've gotten bumps up every time he's one of the highest paid coaches in college football his buyout's around 40 million but it's not that steep if he decides to leave okay if they fire him it's that expensive here's what I think the play is for Jimbo I think he wants more power to be able to keep his coaches uh, there is a strong movement in Tallahassee to say fire your defensive coordinator and fire your offensive line coach which I don't think Jimbo wants to do do you think that they should Yes, I think they probably should on the defensive side. Yeah. Uh, Rick Trickett's one of the better offensive line coaches, and yet they've been atrocious on the offensive line. But I think he has a longer track record of success. Where Charles Kelly, the defensive coordinator, I'm not so sure that's the case. And there is way too much NFL talent on that roster to be as bad as they have been this year right. on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's more of a power play. I'll say this. If Jimbo Fisher leaves, I think Florida State's in a pretty good spot. I think you can still go out and you can get Willie Taggart from South Florida. Or Scott go- Frost. So that one becomes really interesting because I think Scott Frost is probably going to go to Nebraska. Really? I would call him for sure. Yeah. But then, like, this is what's nuts about the college football, the dominoes that are in play here. Like, if Jimbo leaves the Texas and then Florida State's open. Do they go after Willie Taggart? Then Oregon's open. Like, all of this stuff. And we haven't even mentioned Chip Kelly going to UCLA, going to UCLA which right. happened the other day. Um So there's just a ton of stuff that has to play out. Uh But, yeah, I would – if I'm Florida State, absolutely call Scott Frost.
2: Do, do you like Taggart or Scott Frost better? I, I – I don't get to see enough, I don't get to see enough, uh, Oregon games admittedly. Right. But I watched UCF and the USF game on Saturday. Like I left the, the Pitt Stadium, Heinz Field to come back because I was like, this is a wrap. Let's go catch UCF, USF. Yeah. Dude, I, I was in love with the game. Like I just love the style.
3: I. I think it would be 1A and 1B for me. Yeah. Because I cuz Willie Taggart was just at South Florida so he's got familiarity with the state just like Scott yeah. Frost does being at UCF. In fact, the game that you saw unfold between UCF and USF those a lot of that credit absolutely a lot of that gives credit to Willie Taggart. Um I like them both. I think if you got either one of those you're sitting there thinking we're in good shape. Okay. Now what happens if Willie Taggart doesn't leave Oregon, if Scott Frost goes to Nebraska? Then you start getting a little bit deeper in and you're like, oh, what are we going to do? And that's, and you're behind the eight ball because everybody else is already interviewing these guys. They're yeah. making plays and you're sitting there thinking you got Jimbo Fisher. Who knows? By the time people are listening to this, something, something might have happened. Have Who knows? Because it's been that <laughs> sort of craziness that's going on. All right. What do we got for topics? We're going to topics there, Debo? We're going there. Our producer. All right. Good job with the sound
1: today. Uh, let's go. What yeah. you got? We got more coming. Urban right. Meyer is a man on a mission. <laughs> So before or right after kickoff during Ohio State's game against Michigan on Saturday, seemingly like 17 year Ohio State quarterback JT Barrett yeah. is bumped by a guy with a camera and he aggravates a knee injury that he's been suffering all year. Urban Meyer super mad post game.
0: I will look for you. I will find you. <laughs>
1: I will kill you. I will kill you. I don't know how that guy. Did you? That wasn't <laughs> Urban. We okay, urban. you do actually have him. We right. have Urban. Wait do you right. hear this. Uh, Sorry about that. It's not that different. Well, I'm
2: just so upset with myself. There was a non-football injury. Too many damn people on the sideline. And a guy with a camera hit his end and hit him in the knee. I'm going to find out who. I'm so angry right now. i got to move on. But Did I let, did I let that happen? It's an all-out investigation.
3: He is pissed. As I would be, too? But there was all kind of rumors. Again, it was like this crazy done it. like what happened at Ohio State and Columbus. I guarantee you Urban Meyer is going to be pulling film, trying to see what – because there was some Tonya Harding-type stuff going yeah. on. Nancy Kerrigan, like did somebody do this on purpose in a heated rivalry game? Did somebody come by and like – you know you're a kid and you used to try to give a dead leg to yeah, somebody? Give him an old yeah. knee? Like is that what happened?
2: I, look, I, if, if a grown man – if a grown man with a camera is down there hunting for knees – I, but we don't know it's a grow, we don't know if it's so man. You think, We think a co ed from Michigan got onto the field with credentials, a camera, and went knee hunting on this is what we're this a conspiracy be. theory that's out there.
3: That that's a very real conspiracy theory that's out there. Jeez. Something happened to him on the sideline, like he left the game. Then JT Barrett, uh, he gave like this demo. Yes, yeah. yes. He that was reenacted fantastic. it after the game. It wouldn't surprise me. See, here's the thing. I when you go and you know this in an NBA, like when you get to the finals or you get to the playoffs, it's there's too much. There are too many people around that you know, ESPN sets up right in the court or if you're at the NCAA tournament CBS is right there on the court. You've got runners, you've got guys' grips carrying the courts, but you also have a lot of just people that are there, especially when you're at a rivalry game. Like you've got people that played in the rivalry, people that it means a lot to. You could easily get a pass to that game, hold a camera, walk by JT, uh, give him one. All right, so here's... I here, hope it's like not the this, case. I hope it was I really hope accident. That's,
2: I really hope that's not the case. I generally agree there are too many people, like, when sporting events are going on, there's, and I get for the fan experience, you need as many cameras and as, as many people as you can have, but safety of the player is always first. How much would it cost? Like, what's the price tag? Like, if, if you are a an injury hitman for hire, how much... Is the price tag right. on JT Barrett's but knee in you know that situation? You know what? You know
3: what's crazy is some these college football fans are nuts. I had people ten Tennessee grand. Fans, would you do it for ten grand? I'm saying people would do it for free. These <laughs> Michigan whack jobs would do it for free. Debo knows what's up in the Big Ten. These people don't mess around with this. That's one. sad. You know what's uh what's crazy in all of this is that they might be better off without Jake because they had a boy Dwayne Haskins came in He's and lit it boy. up. Yes, he is. He's a big dude. It could be like the time they won the national championship. Cardale Jones came in the last three games. Yeah. I actually think. Ohio State, like how – if you're Urban Meyer, how much time do you spend? You have a Big Ten championship game. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. He's going to say that after the game, but he's not going to – he's going to have somebody on it. But then you've got the Greg Sciano stuff going on. Like, that's another distraction. These are all reasons why I think Wisconsin's going to win. Like, I think it's just one more thing that's going to come out there. So.
1: Do you want to launch an off-the-bench investigation?
3: Yes, I think we should. Yeah, let's get to the bottom of
1: this. (laughs) All right. All right. What do you got? Going to college hoops now. So, on Saturday, number 14 Minnesota defeated number 25 Alabama 89-84. Seems normal. But Alabama finished the game with just three players on the court. Bama's bench, entire bench was ejected after running onto the court during the altercation. Then one player fouled out, one player got injured, so the Crimson Tide played the final 10 minutes and 50 seconds with only three players. They actually outscored Minnesota 30 to 24 during that stretch and nearly won at the end. What?
3: Yeah. With it, three hold players? On. Hold on. I got, I'm calling a audible for off the bench. We're going to a guest. Hold on. I'm getting a guest.
1: All right. This is the emergency
3: guest we just called in because right. we were just talking about Alabama, Minnesota playing three on five. We have the guy who called the game, Chris Hassel, <laughs> our coworker here at CBS Sports. So
0: what exactly happened? Can I didn't think we'd be talking about Alabama basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Podcast. Man, it, was, it, it was nuts. Man, I mean, I was really looking forward to calling the game, really excited about it because two top 25 teams, but. Yeah. Then all heck break loose. I'll tell you what happened. They're playing in New York, okay? And the fans actually dictated this game. There were a lot of fans courtside that were maybe friends, family members of some of the players that were from the New York area. And they influenced the game in that they wanted to see some playground stuff. And the players (laughs) wanted to give them some playground stuff. So then there was a little staring match going down, a little uh Nate Mason from Minnesota was going at it with Colin Sexton, the, the rookie from Alabama, Mason and, and, and Sexton got double technicals, then Mason gets thrown out of the game for still jawing with Sexton, Richard Pitino gets a technical, there's there's free throw shots coming, and then the the juice in the building just overcame the play. Everybody. Even some of the veteran players like Nate Mason, who's a senior, and... On that play, on the scuffle underneath the basket, the whole bench for Alabama eventually came out onto the court. And when you leave your bench, it's an automatic ejection. So the officials had no choice but to eject every player that was on the bench for Alabama. So they were left with five. Then they had a guy with four fouls. He fouls out. So they have four. Then, like, basically on the next play, John Petty, Injures his ankle, can't even put any weight on it. He's gone, so they're down to three. We thought, no way, Avery Johnson continues forfeit the game. You're down double digits. No, kept going. And how much time was left when that happened? Over ten minutes. (laughs) Over (laughs) ten minutes were left in the game when they were three on five. Because it
3: started going around. Everybody's like, you got to go watch this. You got to go watch this. So I did. I clicked on the link and I started watching it. It was unbelievable. But so did they actually? Did the refs or anybody ask Avery Johnson? Do you want to quit?
0: Do you want to forfeit? Did that discussion happen? I think that there was an option to do that, and Avery Johnson just said, no, look, we're, <laughs> we're going to keep going three on five, and we're going to put our guys out there. The thing is, the three guys that were out there aren't the three guys, Raja, that you would even they, pick to be out on the court besides Colin Sexton. How were they scoring the ball? <laughs> it was, I, I mentioned how they wanted it to, the, the fans wanted it to be a playground game. It ended up being... Kind of a play. Colin Sexton would get a rebound yeah. and just sprint down the court and create a shot. He's so good. Just so went Rucker Park really quick. Yes, yeah. yes, it, it really right. did. And and he would just he made everything right. And there were several times during the course of that three on five that it looked like okay, that's it. You know, it's the Minnesota hit hits a three. They're up by twelve again. Oh, they're up by ten again. Sexton had a chance in this game with about a minute, minute and a half to go to tie the game. Are you? I mean, it would have been. The most remarkable win... In sports history, had they come back to win For, that game?
2: Forgive me, because I have no idea. What were they playing? A one-two zone? <laughs> were they in a triangle? Yeah, yeah, I was like, asking t-
0: Tim Doyle, who played at Northwestern and is from New York, uh, was actually my color analyst. And I and, and at first, when they went down to four, I said, "Tim, what do you do what what, what, are, what are you doing here?" He's like, you "Well, go well, box. Well, you play the two-two zone. Is what you do." So, so then when they oh, do box, yeah, th- no th- box and th- one, th- you just go then, box. Then when they went down to three, yeah, they did play. It wasn't a it wasn't a one-one-one or <laughs> a, or a one-two. It was just kind of a triangle. they put two guys. On, they put one guy on one block, one guy on the other, and, and, the guy and, and another guy right up top. Yeah. So it's kind of like a 1-2, but they just kind of, it was a triangle to keep them out of the lane. Okay. And so Minnesota, all they would do is they'd just, you know, take it in, take like a 15 foot wide open jump Lowest shot. And you shot. know what? Minnesota actually made a lot of those shots. Had Minnesota not Shot a good percentage. (laughs) They would have lost. They would have lost that game because Colin Sexton took it upon himself to just go nuts. Ended up with 40 points. And when he's drafted in the top 10 next year in the NBA, that's going to be the first thing that people highlight on draft night is the way he played in that game because he was gassed. Remember, that was the second game in 24 hours for Alabama. They played the day before against BYU. And Colin Sexton was gassed with 10 minutes to go. That's one of the reasons we thought that Avery Johnson would say, that's it, my player, he has nothing left. Despite that, he had a smile on his face, and he just kept Hitting shots. Fantastic. Awesome. It's Good fantastic. stuff,
3: man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Great job on the call. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. that I,
0: I'll never have another one like that. That's for no. sure.
3: All right. So coming off, Chris, thanks to Chris Hassel, who called the game. Uh Incredible job by him. But you have some experience with players coming off the
2: bench. It kind of screwed you, it's right? It's the dumbest rule in the world. It's ridiculous. <laughs> there has to be a level of intent. you you got to go back to that monitor and for see the For the people that
3: don't know, how did it screw you?
2: Steve Nash, uh what was it, 2007 maybe? We're playing in in San Antonio. Late in the game, we got the game in hand. Robert Ori comes out of nowhere and hip-checks Steve Nash into the into the scores table. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm a good teammate. I run over there, and I'm like, yo, you know, Rob, what's up? Like, yeah. what are we doing, baby? I'm trying to clean it up. And then someone else runs over. Someone else runs over. So this dominoes to where Boris Diaw, Amari Stoudemire, and a few other of our teammates step onto the court. And I mean, like, fractionally cross the line into the court of play. They're not involved in the scuffle. There's nothing going on. If you knew Boris Diaw... He would be running over there more so to make sure Tony Parker didn't get into a beef than to protect any of us at the time. So, well, they suspend Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw. We can't hold on in Phoenix the next night to win. It was a valiant effort. But we wind up losing that series and ultimately a chance, what might have been our best chance, to win an NBA championship over that stupid-ass rule. They need to figure out how to gauge intent, look back at the monitor, and here's the kicker. Four years later, I'm hanging out with Steve at a bar in Santa Monica somewhere or somewhere in L.A. and we're talking about that. And he says that he gave that hip check a little bit of flair. <laughs> oh, that he really, really? Didn't get checked <laughs> to that degree. It's, it's the first f- time I've ever said it to anybody because <laughs> me running over there kind of incited it. I thought he got like laid out. Right. He admitted to putting a little sauce so on it was that a hip little check. flop.
3: A little bit. Damn a little you, bit of a Steve. flop. Damn you! <laughs> no, but look what it did. I got a follow up to the three on five. Could you? With two other guys, beat Duke's team right now. One no. of the best. You couldn't no, come no, on, bro. Why not you? Too, you two Kobe, other guys. You give it Kobe at okay. his age. We'll even get like, you guys at, now. At our age now. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely not. Come on. I, and I what if up. we give you? What if we give you? No. uh LeBron. What if it's you, LeBron, and Kobe? You're crazy. We can't put out
2: all those fires. Like, I can't. I played yesterday with an over 40 group. (laughs) We're playing four on four half court. I can barely walk this morning. (laughs) So no
3: chance. Three on five. Couldn't do it as good as you guys are. Not right now. No way. I think you guys could take them. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit.
2: (laughs) Four? Could you
3: go four? Yeah.
2: Four Four is the number. number. In my current state? Yeah. Probably not. Come on. I can't move. (laughs) (laughs)
0: i think you're
3: selling yourself short man you look pretty good all right that's it for off the bench that's our episode four thanks for listening make sure you give us a follow uh, at Canal and bell on twitter hit us up on apple Podcasts. leave us a five-star review ask us questions we're gonna get to those on wednesdays you ask us anything you want ask us about hoops ask about the nfl college football off the court stuff anything you want to know hit us up